Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Heartland Franchise Guide, your insider's guide to franchises in the Heartland area. I'm Blake Martin, your Heartland Franchise Guide. This is the place for education, resources, and advocacy for our local franchising field and for local entrepreneurs looking to learn about the franchising field. Today, we are very fortunate to have a special guest that many of you in the podcasting and radio world already know. We have an international keynote speaker, award-winning author, sales strategist, and certainly entrepreneur. Many of you know Jeff Best as the co-host of a relatively familiar Grow Omaha radio broadcast here in Omaha. Jeff Beals, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Blake. It's an honor to be on your show. And you know, your company is one of our sponsors on Grow Omaha, so it's nice for me to be back on on your show. It's like a little bit of a a twist from what we're used to. That's right. It's the little big city playing itself again, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, this Grow Omaha thing, 17 years, you and Trent might be onto something. Yeah, we, we think we've got it figured out. Uh, we have been on the air for over 17 and a half now, believe it or not. Wow. And um, but then but then Grow Omaha is more than just a radio show. It is a it is a media company. We do uh, outbound email and altogether, um, if you you know, maybe are a little bit liberal with your numbers. Uh, I think we might touch 75,000 people or more in in a week's time, one way or the other. So what was the impetus? I mean, the brand has grown. You guys put a lot of energy and resources into growing the Grow Omaha brand, pun intended. Tell me a little bit about the impetus behind that. Yeah, Grow Omaha, for most of its history, has been radio-based, and radio is still a huge part of it, but we do some other media as well, like I said. But basically, uh, Trenton Maggot and I were guests on two different radio shows, coincidentally. And, and both hosts asked us to talk about real estate, construction, development projects, what's going on in town. Yeah. And, and we both received so much positive feedback from that we literally were talking one day, and I said, we should, we should do that as a radio show. Well, next thing you know, it, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew that story. And it's like so many entrepreneurial stories, right? <laughs> the market was telling you something. Yeah, the market was telling us something. I, we, 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 had that, we had that good experience, and I literally was listening to the radio a day or two later. And when you listen to talk radio, what do you normally hear? Politics. Yep. And, and I yep. remember thinking, I wish someone would talk about the stuff that we cared about in business or in real estate and all that sort of thing, and not just all this political stuff. So I guess I was at someone. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, and I knew our problem today was going to be keeping this to 20 minutes or less. I can see already. <laughs> that, that'll be my challenge today, I promise. I'll try to talk in my 20-second <laughs> sound bites for you. Oh, thank you so much. You're pretty good at that. You've had that experience, right? A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Good, good, good. So tell me, you know, with – You've got this multifaceted background, which I kind of put into that uh, one-sentence summary, the sales strategist, award-winning author, speaking all over the world. The first question I wanted to ask you, Jeff, was with that really unique perspective, are you seeing things in this unusual, different economic environment locally in the Heartland area? Are you seeing elements? Are you seeing things, trends that are familiar to you that you've seen before? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And the answer is yes and no. Um, I've, I've always believed in that old saying that history repeats. I think mm-hmm. we can find a lot of evidence that it does. Yet at the same time, there is 
some some level of unprecedented activity going on right now. So so history repeats, but yet everything's different right now. <laughs> so it's, so it's kind of crazy. I mean, um, I look at it from my real estate perspective, from my media perspective, from my you know sales training business owner perspective. So I have a lot of different perspectives, and 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 right now when you look at uh, you know whether it be local or national, uh, you're seeing a lot of economic activity. You're seeing a lot yeah. of uh, consumerism. Um, spending is high. Um, you look at the housing market in Omaha and almost every other major city in this country, and it's just been bonkers. And, and it's, it looks like it's going to continue to be really probably a little busier than it should be. But yet you go back to 2008, we had a, a housing bubble that burst, which led to that great recession um, that we called it. And it seemed like a lot of, it seems like a lot of things are still here that uh, are similar to what we saw back then. And, and of course, right now, because of all the political stuff that has occurred, we have a lot of people with artificial spending money in their pockets, yeah. um, you know, with the various programs that have put people, uh, put money in people's bank accounts and in their pockets. And then we've seen some, some policies that in some cases have, have made it lucrative to not do certain jobs. And so how that doesn't have some sort of negative effect for us down the road, I don't know. But in the meantime, my goodness, the amount of economic activity is off the charts. It is, isn't it? It really is. Which brings me to, of course, the title of our podcast. It's all about franchising. My, my follow-up question to you on that with your background in commercial real estate is, what's your advice to somebody looking for retail space right now in this marketplace? For retail space, you know, it's probably the same as it would be for just about any space. Um, really do your homework know exactly where you want to go. If someone's looking for retail space right now, there are a lot more options than there would be if you're looking for industrial space, which is really tight. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but, on the other hand, people are sometimes surprised to learn that retail vacancy is less than 10%. And, and that comes as a shock to people because they hear all these news stories, they read all these news stories that say that Amazon is killing bricks and mortar retail. So they just assume, oh, there must be copious amounts of space available. Well, there's a lot of big spaces that are available. Uh -huh. But when it comes to little spaces, there are not as many available as some people might think. So you have to really do your homework, um, know uh, where you want to be, why you want to be there, and, and have a really good understanding of your finances before you pull the, pull the, frigger, pull the trigger <laughs> on any retail space. And you make a good point there because most folks who are starting a new small business, uh, they're looking for the smaller retail space, right? They're not looking for the Amazon footprint. Right. Yeah. They don't want that 20 to 200,000 square foot space. They want the 1,000 to 5,000 square foot space, most likely. Yeah. Yeah. So another question in regards to your unique perspective and, and tying to the, the podcast here. When you hear franchising in the local marketplace, what do you think? When I think of franchising, I think of a, a quicker, safer, and more accessible way to be an entrepreneur. Um, I have never been a franchisee technically, uh, but I was a decision maker and a senior um, decision maker at that for a franchisee. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. We had a franchise for 10 years in, in commercial real estate with a national franchisor. And while I was not the owner, I was the number two guy there. And so, so I lived that for a long time. And, and for us, it allowed us to have a national presence uh -huh. and a national brand that we would not have been able to 
um, afford to make happen, or we just wouldn't have had any other resources to make that happen had it not been for franchising. So, so I, I, to me, I see franchising as an increasingly common business tool. Um, it's something that's not necessarily right for everyone. If you are that rabidly independent lone wolf person, uh, well, maybe some franchises might not be for you. <laughs> but if you're an independent person who wants to be his or her own boss, but doesn't necessarily want to reinvent the wheel and take copious amounts of risk, it's probably a really good way to make that happen. Um, I have also, uh, Blake, I don't know if I ever told you this. I did play around with buying a franchise about six or seven years ago. I didn't know that. Yeah, my wife and I looked at uh, buying a franchise, a women's clothing retailer. Is that right? Yeah, we ultimately decided not to do it just because we made some commitment to some other businesses that we already had going. But we went pretty deep in the process. And I can tell you this. Uh, while I didn't become a women's clothing retail franchisee, I would have definitely never been in the retail clothing business if it weren't for the possibility <laughs> of having a franchise. I wouldn't have done it uh, at all. I wouldn't have considered it if there wouldn't have been a franchise out there that had already paved the way. How so? What, what was it that, that made it more comfortable for you, even though you didn't move forward? What was it that made it more comfortable for you in the franchising model versus doing it alone? Because the franchisor had already made the mistakes. The franchisor had already blazed the trail. Uh, that franchisor had a distribution set up. And, and, and they had that distribution system set up because they had been in the business. They knew what they were doing. They, they went through the, the risks and the trials and tribulations that entrepreneurs go through when they're creating something from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, had we done that deal, we would have been buying all of that time and experience and all of the lessons they had learned from that time and experience invested. And so I think that's why a lot of people do franchises in any industry. Someone else has already taken that risk. Someone else has already made the mistakes. And so you're buying that so that you get a head start from other entrepreneurs. I'm going to hire you, man. You think you think I could uh, tow the company line okay? I think you could. I think you could. Yeah, we actually have a lot in common in that regard. I, as I think you know, I was in the franchising field for years on the corporate side of it. Mm-hmm. Still chose for my small business to go the franchising route. And, and I'd be the first to say, just like you said, it's not for everybody. It's not the right fit for everybody. Uh, there's no one right fit. Some people are better off going on their own. For me, I said, hey, I'd, I want to be in business for myself, but not by myself. That's why franchising worked well for me. And it's interesting that even though you didn't go through with it, that was kind of the same mindset you took into it. Yeah, and we did go very, very deep. And and the only reason we didn't pull the trigger was nothing wrong with the franchise or the franchise model. It was just ultimately some other stuff that was external to that ended up being more important to us. And, and we put our business focus there. Yeah, yeah you got to choose your priorities, right? Yeah. You don't know what to say no to. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Speaking of which, that's uh, a, a really subtle segue into, I'm very interested to hear your background in both training and writing and coaching in the sales area. Mm-hmm. And it's, of course, a skill set that is vital to any business in any industry, whether it's women's clothing or brokerage or what have you. So I'd like to hear from you at a time when selling successfully, selling productively is so important in every business. What is it, in your experience, the, the two or three things that really set apart the top salespeople, who would probably be top salespeople in any industry, mm-hmm. what is it that sets them apart from the rest, that makes them 
those top 5% salespeople? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. And it seems like a lot of people are always on this quest to figure that out, but it's really an easy question to answer because it doesn't matter whether I'm working with a real estate company, a fintech company, a financial company, or a manufacturer. Mm -hmm. Those are the four areas I work with the most. It's always the same. And number one, thing that separates the best salespeople from everyone else is an absolute obsession with business development and prospecting. Even those sales reps who already are making a half a million dollars or more in a year in commissions and have been doing it for 25 years or more, they're obsessed with who's not yet their client. Yeah. Right? Okay, so we provide good service to who we're dealing with, but the great ones are obsessed with who don't I have yet? Why don't I have them? What does it take for me to get them? I always like to think that a top producer is a person that, you know, wakes up thinking about prospecting, eats prospecting for breakfast, eats it for lunch and eats prospecting for dinner and goes to bed dreams about prospecting. And, and I, I really am actually serious about that. So, so within that couple other things that kind of are close number twos or threes, if you will, one would be an accountability mindset Great sales people who are great producers realize they have responsibilities. They know they have authority to carry out those responsibilities, and they're very comfortable with accountability. They make themselves mm -hmm. accountability accountable for the results. And then the last two things, they're initiative takers, self-starters. Mm -hmm. They just go ahead and figure out what needs to be done or willing to do it before anyone else. And then kind of similar to what I just said there, that last one, one of the most significant factors that separates the good from great when it comes to sales professionals, willingness to take a risk. And, and now if we were talking <laughs> about entrepreneurs and I said that you would probably say, oh yeah, that makes sense. Of course, you have to take a risk if you're an entrepreneur. But believe it or not, one of the biggest factors separating great salespeople from just good salespeople, willingness to take a risk. Can you, can you give me a story about that? You know, off the top of my head, I'm not thinking one, but let me, uh, let me say it like this. Sales is inherently um, risky, right? Because sure. most people that go into sales are at least partially, if not completely compensated on commission. Yeah. And uh, so I eat guess- Eat what you kill. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And so if you're going to do an eat what you kill kind of life, you're, you're, a, you're a risk taker. <laughs> you're a risk taker. But I think there's, there's risks involved when you-, you talk to a decision maker who is intimidating to you uh, when you crack into a vertical uh, that is different than the vertical you're comfortable with, uh, whether you know, we're talking industries or, or we're talking about different demographic types, the great salespeople are willing to take a risk and, and they're willing to do things that, that would cause run-of-the-mill salespeople to say, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did that. Uh, yeah. If you're the guy who's willing to do something that causes someone to say, I can't believe you did that, you're probably going to make some money. Because you're obsessed with prospecting. Yeah, yeah, literally. And, and a lot of times, younger or less experienced or less successful salespeople will look up to those really big-time producers and they'll say, I can't wait to get where he is because then I won't have to be on the phone all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. That guy's still on the phone all the time. <laughs> yeah, and you're motivating to be in it more. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, you got to want to be on the phone all the time. Eating, prospecting for breakfast. Okay, there has to be a hook there that you can put in one of your next books, Jeff. It's something about... Cheerios has an O in it, and O is for obsession. Either that, I could get a sponsorship from Carnation Instant Breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> you are an entrepreneur. <laughs> 
exactly. I got a question for you. What what haven't you done that you still want to do? You know, I, I want to, and this is maybe going to seem like a bit of a cop-out answer, but really I just want to bring my business up to the next level. Um, as, as some listeners might have thought when you said all the things that I do, um, I've got career ADD. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's pretty clear just from my list here. <laughs> yeah, I like to do a lot of different things, and I get bored if I do the same thing. Sometimes drives my, my, my wife nuts, but I always tell her, honey, it's multiple streams of income. Think of it that way. <laughs> um, but one of the things I think what I have not yet done, um, on my three core business pursuits right now, um, I'm becoming very, very and this is going to sound maybe a little bit ironic, uh, very focused on those three things. You're going to say, how can you be focused on three things? But um, really narrowing in on the core of what most matters and the most important outcomes I deliver in each one of those three focus areas so that we can really grow those. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 52 years old right now. I have teenage kids. And now I'm kind of at that point, all right, I want to continue to have fun with what I'm doing professionally and to be varied in my professional experiences. But at the same time, now I'm thinking, okay, it's not that many years from now when one or both of my teenagers might want to work with me. Do I have something to turn over to them? Yeah. And, and so, yeah. so I really need to, to make these entrepreneurial fun and enjoyable pursuits more traditional business like so that I could either pass them on to one of the kids someday or sell them to some unsuspecting sucker that wants to take over my life, whatever that case may be. So we're getting a little more, the businesses are getting a little more grown up, a little more structured, a little more organized as, as I get a little bit older and, and, and realize, okay, I can still do lots of different things and have my career ADD, but maybe just ADD in a few areas. Gotcha. <laughs> ADD in a few areas. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Narrowed ADD. <laughs> it sounds like you're practicing what you preach, so it all makes sense to me there. So far, for the most part. <laughs> Last question for you as we wrap up here, Jeff. Um, whether it's for the sales coaching, whether it's for authorship or Grow Omaha, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, JeffBeals.com um, is, is my website, JeffBeals.com. And consulting services, sales training, keynote speaking, um, uh, coaching, which I don't do that much of, but a little, that's all on there. So that's, gotcha. probably, the, that's probably the center of the universe if you want to talk to me. Fantastic. Jeff, thanks again so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Appreciate your comments and your insights at a really important time for a lot of business owners or aspiring business owners. So thank you so much. That is a wrap for this episode of Heartland Franchise Guy. Thanks again to our guest, Jeff Beals. And thanks to all of you for joining us. We'll see you again soon. A Huda Media Production.